Hello, this is Darren Pulsifer, Chief Solution Architect of Public Sector at Intel, and welcome to Embracing Digital Transformation, where we investigate effective change leveraging people, process, and technology. On today's episode, we're going to talk about using data as a strategic asset. Recently, I gave a webinar on using data as a strategic asset. And when I was asked to give this webinar, I uh, thought a little bit about what does that really mean? And talking to a lot of customers, I talked to them about what their strategies were. And most of their strategies that they came up with was just keep everything. So when I was thinking about that, we had a friend of ours who whose grand grandmother had passed away and um, their grandmother happened to be a hoarder. Um, and this is not a picture of their house, but you can go out and just imagine years, decades of, of just storing and storing things. And when I was helping them clean out this house and, um, you know, throw things away, um, save things, it came to my mind about data strategy. Most organizations today their strategy is very much like um, this um, sweet old lady. She just kept everything because she was afraid to that she may need it later or it may be valuable. So when we look at what we do in our data organizations, do we save everything? I know my email folder is like 8 gig. I know it doesn't need to be that big, but I always save things just in case I might need them. Now imagine that times how many ever employees you have. At Intel, we've got 100,000 employees. Imagine how much data we're storing that we're really not taking advantage of. And then we're backing that data up as well, whether it's in Excel spreadsheets or email. It could even be structured um, databases that we're afraid to get rid of, or unstructured data, or presentations, PowerPoint presentations that are megabytes large, and how many of those do I have? So. Just storing everything is not a great strategy. It increases your cost. There's a lot of uh, issues with it. And you're not really getting any value out of that data if you're, all you're doing is just storing it. So let's talk about why this is a bad strategy. So here's someone trying to sort through all this data. And what we found is data scientists, when they go out and they look at um, the data, they spend most of their time trying to clean up the data so that they can use it. About approximately 80% of their time is spent cleaning it up before they can find it useful. We also found that less than 50% of structured data is being utilized at all. And then even less than 1% of uh, structured data, unstructured data is able to be analyzed or we're even analyzing it. So we're hoarding all this data but we're not really using it, right? Another big problem too is who has access to all this data? Uh, more than 70% of um, employees have access to data they probably shouldn't. So how do I, what do I do with this? Well, first we have to look and see why we have such a explosion of data. Um, this is really exacerbated by um, IOT, smart devices, by everything being connected. Um, we also have data processing that's happening all over the place now. So we're afraid to get rid of anything. 
And just the sheer volume of data that is being generated is incredible. And there's also regulatory issues that are also exacerbating the problem as well. So it's hard to know what to get rid of and what we can't. But the technology is uh, enabling us to do this data hoarding. We're basically building or we're renting a, uh, we're renting a, a storage unit so we can store more stuff. And even if we're very progressive and we're out there cleaning our data up and getting rid of stuff, look, we've filled up our drives again. We've filled up our storage again. So we've got to come up with a better strategy than just buying more storage or using new techniques uh, to store data. We've really got to take a look at uh, what to do differently. So let's find out first why we hoard. Now, this is directly out of um, WebMD and Psychology Today. I did some research on it. Hey, why do people hoard? And um, what, it, does that apply to data hoarding? And I think it's fascinating because people hoard things because they believe that a piece of data or an item will be useful in the future or that it has some sentimental value or it's unique or irreplaceable or it's too big of a bargain to let it go. Now, do we do all the same things with data? Of course we do. Why would I have one of the first presentations I ever gave? I still have that presentation. I have it on a drive and it's now put up into the cloud and it's, it's out there and I don't know why I look at it maybe once a year and go, oh, I remember when I did that presentation. <laughs> why do I need to keep it? So all these things tie into an organization as well. Because an organization is made up of uh, several individuals that all have different levels of data hoarding that are going on. And as an organization, a lot of times we're afraid to get rid of data as well. So we've got to pay attention to what we're doing here. But understanding why we do it is kind of the first step. So let's look at what it really means to become a data-centric company instead of just a storage company. Because right now, if we're just storing all this data, we're not really data-centric. We're really just storing data. We're storing, you know, I really want to become more information-centric. So there's kind of this uh, four-step process to becoming more data-centric. And the first one is an organizational foundation. So what does it mean, organizational foundation? Is my organization geared towards data management? Or is it still geared towards infrastructure management? Or do I need a combination of both? We'll talk a little bit about that. There's also data collection and preparation. Do I even know where all my hordes of data are? And then how do I prepare it? How do I know what to throw away and what not to? And then I look at insight creation as the next step, where how do I take this data and create valuable information, business intelligence out of it? And then the last one is I need to operationalize my analytics and AI strategies so that I can turn the crank and constantly get uh, valuable business information out of the data that I have so that it's not just a science experiment. Go get some insight on this data and I'm done. I need to be able to operationalize it and create um, pipelines of data that I can use over. So let's talk first about 
the data-centric organization. Now, um, it's really interesting because chief data scientist or chief data officer, I should say, has been around for about seven or eight years, the term. It's mandated in a lot of government um, today that there is a chief data officer, but guess what? Um, it is a really hard job. Typically, it's underfunded, and most CDOs last in their job about two and a half years. They get burned out or they get replaced. And their, their key goal here is to set strategy and governance over the management of data and the generation of valuable business information. Now, you would think that this would be the job of the CIO, the chief information officer, but chief information officers in, um, over the years have been relegated to infrastructure officers. Um, they're worried about, oh, I got to keep everything up, and they kind of lost focus, and rightfully so. They've got to keep the business running, um, but they lost focus on the information itself. So, aka, we have a new chief data officer. I feel for these um, people because they have a really tough job. They're doing cultural change. They're trying to, um, you know, break people from just hoarding data all the time and even siloing it and keeping it to themselves to actually creating real business value out of it. So it's a little tough for them as well. Another uh, very common uh, persona that we see in a data-centric organization is the data scientist. And they've been around for some time. Uh, before we call them data scientists, we would call them maybe statisticians or math the math PhD that we hired to help us figure something out. And um, the word scientist really plays well with them because they are looking at your data, trying to find patterns in your data or predictive analytics or just finding out what just happened or maybe even uh, forecasting the future. Um, a lot of times the data scientist, um, because we haven't operationalized how we do this, um, they end up doing what we call science experiments. They do a, hey, look at what I found. Great information, we'll act on it. But then we haven't operationalized it. And in order to operationalize things, this is where we really need a data engineer uh, to come in. And this is where they can take all that great work that a data scientist does and that they can operationalize it, put it into data pipelines, and turn the crank so that when new data comes in, I can get new insight automatically without reinventing the wheel each time. So the data engineer, another key role that's in there. And then probably the last, but probably the most interesting role that we found is someone called a data steward. Now, the data steward is responsible for the governance and the access of data and making sure that people have the right access at the right time. Um, right now, you may not have the role of data steward, but someone is playing that role for sure. And a lot of times, people will hold on to that because that gives them power and influence. So it's best to understand who your data stewards are, align them up with your chief data officer so that they can enact the strategy and the governance models that you've established. So these are four key roles that we find in a successful data-centric organization. There are more roles, but these are the four key ones that we want to focus on. Now, now the next big question is, all right, I've got my, my data-centric organization. Do I centralize it or do I distribute it in more of a matrix organization? Well, that completely depends on your organization. 
Um, do matrix um, uh, management work already in your organization? If the answer is yes, then go ahead and use that matrix um, organization organizational structure where maybe you have a, um, a pool of data scientists that meet often to talk about common data science problems that you're having across your organization. Or do you find that centralized works better for you? You're a smaller organization. You need more rigor in, in what you're doing than maybe a centralized uh, way will go. You can look at any of the uh, business management uh, models out there and you can fit this data-centric organization. To so let's look at data collection and preparation. Now, I, I read an article on Harvard Business Review. I thought it was brilliant the way that they uh, did this next step, which is they call it data cataloging. So and I love how they cataloged it because you can catalog data in several different ways. But what I loved what they did here was what is your strategy? Are you a defense or defensive um, strategy with your data or are you going to be offensive with your data? And cataloging data into these two buckets is extremely important because what you do with your data based off of your strategy will lead to different techniques and processes that you want to establish. So let's take a look real quick. If you're on defense, let's talk about football. You know football's not running full board this year. Hopefully we'll see some college and NFL football this year with COVID. But let's talk about defense. Defense, your whole goal is to defend your goal. So it's the same thing with data. If you're in a defensive posture with your business or your organization, you are going to protect, defend, and prevent um, things from happening in your organization with data. Now, let's say you're on offense. Your offensive goals are very different. Your offensive goals is to go fast, to advance to the goal, and to score as many points as you possibly can. So it's a lot more um, agile. It's a lot more moving it forward as quickly as possible. You're in a rush. Where defense, you're preventing that from happening. Now, given those two mindsets, let's take a look at what do I do with my data depending on my strategy? So if I'm in a defensive position with my strategy and my data, then I'm going to primarily focus on data security, governance, and compliance. I need to protect my data. That's the key there, right? And then my main focuses are going to be data extraction, standardization of data, storage management, and managing access to, to that data. Typically, you'll be more centrally controlled. This, go back, this goes back to your data-centric uh, organization. I'll typically be more centralized control where the CDO has more power and your data scientists come from a pool of people. It'll be more centralized. And the goal here is that you have a single source of truth. You don't want multiple sources of truth out there when you're in that defense uh, position. Now, let's say I'm in an offensive position. I need to score. I want to move faster. I want to improve my competitive uh, position. And I want to be as profitable as I possibly can. Right? So those are my tactics. My focus areas will then be data extraction still. I still need to get my data out. And then I'm going to work more on modeling, visualization, transformation, and enrichment of my data more than looking at standardization and 
and storage and access. I want more, I want more people to have more access to my data because I want more ideas to move me forward. The orientation here is more flexibility, which means more of a distributed organization where I have my data scientists embedded in my different um, business units. So they're closer to where uh, the domain expertise is and they're able to move much faster. Uh, another thing with this is you're enabling multiple versions of the truth. This can be kind of difficult, really difficult, if you're used to a very defensive or protective or ri very risk-averse organization where there's multiple uh, versions of the truth, it can be a little disconcerting. So understanding how to use data based off of your strategies is important. I see most organizations um, straddling the fence on this and it gets confusing a lot of times and they'll swing the pendulum back and forth. No, we're, we need to centralize and control everything and then a year later they're back to completely distributed. First off, I would say every organization needs to be able to play offense and defense at the same time. Just understand what data you're using for your defensive plays and what you're using for your offensive plays. Just like most players in football, especially at the NFL level and in college level, typically don't play both sides of the ball, right? Same thing here. Your data can be used for defense and offense, but a lot of data you're not going to see straddle defense here. Okay, let's talk about a little bit about analytics insight. First off, this can be really kind of confusing because there's so many buzzwords out there around analytics, AI, ML, the latest and greatest. Let's just boil it down to this. There is a maturity curve that we see out there with analytics and building insight from your data. The key here is to understand where you're currently at and what the next steps are on how you can move up the ramp. So if you are still trying to understand what's happening in your organization, we're in what you would call descriptive analytics. I'm just trying to figure out what's going on, right? The next step would be diagnostic. This is understanding why something happened. First one is what happened, diagnostic, why something happened. The next step would be predictive. What will happen in the future based off of historical things, right? So that's where a lot of organizations want to get to, but you got to go through the other steps first. And then above predictive is something we have prescriptive. Now, understanding, um, understanding what happened or what will happen, now I can be prescriptive and try and guide my organization onto why it will happen and be prescriptive about it, saying, all right, if I do this, I'm expecting this um, behavior. And then the top of the pyramid on the analytics insight is what we call foresight. And this is when I'm making things happen. Things that I normally wouldn't be prescriptive about, I'm going to change the world. I'm going to have foresight into the future. And that's where we want to get to. There are a set of tools for each one of these phases in insight analytics. Understanding which tools to use when will be um, great for you because you won't be stuck with an AI project that um, is using prescriptive algorithms 
or even predictive algorithms when you're still down at descriptive. So it's important to understand where you're at and then what tools to use. There's a whole nother podcast about analytics tools um, that tells you which tools to use in which one of these uh, phases that you're in. Okay, now, once I have my data, I've analyzed where my data is going, I have my toolbox of analytics tools out there, I know where I'm at, I've got to come up with a way that I can operationalize it. Make it real, make it something that I can reuse over and over again. Now there's three key elements to this, three key pipelines for no better word. There's a data-centric infrastructure that's a key to making this happen. Because our data tends to be scattered all over the place in multiple silos, we need to make sure that we have a data-centric infrastructure that can reference all those silos. And there's some great tools out there that are starting to emerge that gives me kind of a, a view into where all my data is. Things like a distributed meta, metadata management layer, something like Elastic uh, can give you that functionality. There's other meta um, catalogs out there as well that can help with that. But you need that layer in there so at least you know where all your data is and what's in that data. And then on top of that, we have these data pipelines and there's great analytics tools that give you all of uh, the capability of data pipeline, right? First off, you're looking in the data pipeline at ingestion tools, then preparing the data, analyzing the data, and then acting on the data. And if you remember before, when we talked about the, your different strategies, different tools will be used in these different um, categories, depending on your strategy, whether you're defensive or offensive. But putting these, um, these categories into place is, is extremely important because it gives you the flexibility to pivot when you need to. Now, on top of the um, data flow is what we have your business flow. And this is kind of your process of how do I work with data on a day-to-day -day basis? I've got my data infrastructure on the bottom so I can access my data everywhere. I've got my pipelines established so I can do something with my data. Now we need to look at the process above. And this goes into your business understanding of your data, um, prepping your data, modeling your data, and evaluating back again in this continuous improvement process, and then deploying your solutions in this continuous integration and continuous improvement um, process. A lot of times people don't put this top layer on, this repeatable process on, and what they end up with is they end up with a silo of data and a science experiment where they found the one business insight to a bunch of data. And they say, see, data science is not as valuable as we thought. So we're working on operationalizing this so I can turn the crank and get new business insight all the time based off of new data coming system. So call to action, go out and develop a data strategy. There's lots of great articles out there on how to go about doing this. Organize yourself, get out there and figure out where all your data is. Catalog your data. Is it offensive or defensive? Or is your strategy offensive or defensive? You're going to find both, but figure out where to use your data, um, in which strategy to use, and then 
Take your analysis insight steps one step at a time. Don't go from descriptive all the way to foresight. You're gonna miss a lot of steps in the middle. Make sure you're using the right analytics tool for the right stage of insight that you're trying to create. And number one key, look at operationalizing, turning that crank, just like you do with your software development lifecycle, you need to do the same thing with your information development lifecycle. Thanks for listening to Embracing Digital Transformation today. If you liked our episode, go ahead and give us five stars on your favorite podcast or video streaming site. You can also find out more on embracingdigital.com. Until next time, keep moving forward and embrace the digital revolution.